Thank you for the blessings that you have bestowed on our lives. Father, I pray that you will give us listening ears, that we may hear your word, that we may be blessed by the hearing, and Father, that we may share your word with others. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to start this morning by sharing just a little-known Oakland Drive history. In September of 1963, the year after Oakland Drive Church of Christ was launched, a student fellowship on the campus of Western Michigan University was launched. The group chose the name the Church of Christ Christian Campus Club, or the Five C's. Meetings were held monthly on the campus in the Union, which is now the Bernhardt Center, and weekly at Oakland Drive. The purpose of our group was to share the New Testament and to provide a spiritual atmosphere for students while they were pursuing their college education and to reach new students who had not had the opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ. There were about 15 students in the initial group, but the thing that our group and the church leadership lacked was vision and knowledge of how to continue the group after the initial group had graduated and left to pursue their careers. Well, in 1969, a similar group at Michigan State University brought this need to the elders of the University Christian Church in East Lansing. These men had the vision to form a statewide steering committee which led to the formation of the first campus ministry at Michigan State University. Gary Hawes, a Michigan State graduate, was called to be the first campus minister. Now, almost 47 years later, this ministry has reached to 12 campuses. Gary led this ministry for 45 years. In January of 2015, John Gute took over as executive director. John had served for 11 years as development director. John created and organized the Cycle to Campus fundraiser. Now, if you would like to know more about this project, you can talk to Chelsea Smith. Chelsea is riding this year with the WMU women and would be happy for you to support her in this ride. This morning, we're happy to have John and Becca and their children with us. John is going to share the work and the vision of campus ministry, which is now called His House Christian Fellowship. So please give John a warm Oakland Drive welcome. Can I stand here? Is this okay? Good. Um, Can you see me? Can you hear me? Okay, good. All right, good. Barb, thank you so much. That was a wonderful introduction. I did not know there was a connection between Western Michigan University and this church. Um, That is, thank you for that history. That was enlightening to me. I'm sure you probably all knew that. And so she was sharing that just for me this morning, for my benefit. So um, should I stand in one spot? Okay, good. I'm just delighted to be here with you this morning and just to share a little bit. And uh, somebody tell me, what time do I need to, we need to finish? Is there a time? 
9.50. Noon? Okay, good. We're going to get to know each other well then, aren't we? <laughs> good, 9.50. Um, we'll shoot for that. I want to share just something that, that I've been thinking about here recently, if it's okay with you. It has nothing to do with His House Christian Fellowship directly. Is that okay? There's something that, that, that um, I've been thinking about, and um, it's interesting. I don't know if you continue to read the Bible over and over again. There are things that, you know, different passages of the Scripture that you know that you've read ten times before or more. And then you read it again, and then it just hits you, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I've been kind of working through a, a passage that was meaningful um, this time when I read it through, and it, it just hit me in a different way. And I want to phrase it, I want to frame this with a question. Where do you need God the least? Have you thought about that? Where do you need God the least? It's framed in, in uh, Matthew chapter 17. Um, if you guys have some Bibles, let's just take a, a couple of minutes here and, and look at that, if you wouldn't mind. Matthew chapter 17. There's a passage of Scripture that uh, I think there's some meaning in there. That, that it, I just read this and it, and it clicked with me. And so I just want to share this with you this morning, if, that, if that's okay, just for a couple minutes. Um, there are some very difficult passages of Scripture for us to apply in our life. There are some difficult commands. One of them that I can think of, um, Paul gave to the church in Thessalonica. Three simple words, and only three words, found in Thessalonians. Uh, be joyful. Always. Um, boy, that's a difficult command, isn't it? Uh, because there are times that I don't feel like being joyful. Now, if you would have said, be joyful, period, um, I could have gone with that, right? Because there was that time in seventh grade, you know, when you were joyful or, or something. And we can think, but always, that's a difficult command. And in Matthew chapter 17, there's a difficult command here. It's not given to us per se. It's given to Peter. And it's a very interesting command. Um, look at Matthew chapter 17, verse 24. It says this, on their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, does your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings pay tax? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. Verse 27 says this, however, we don't want to offend them, so go, to, go down to the lake and throw in a line. Here comes the command. It's already part of the command. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. That is an odd command, I think, that, that Jesus gave to Peter. Okay? Put yourself in, in Peter's position here in this story. Okay? Um, 
they ask Jesus if he pays temple tax. He is not tax exempt. And in his mind, he kind of thinks he is, but um, he says, I need to take care of this, and this is how we're going to take care of it, right? The temple tax, if you go back to the book of Exodus, you'll find there was a tax on any Israelite male 20 years and older. And that had continued through the time and it remained in place until shortly after Jesus when the temple was destroyed, somewhere around 70 A.D. or so. But at this time, there was a tax. And he was asked, um, how should he pay the tax? And he replies. Now here's the, the, the thing that I, we often forget, and this is what hit me. What did Peter do? What was, his, what was his calling in life up until the time that he met Jesus? He was a fisherman. Did he know anything about fish and fishing? I would suspect he knew a lot about fishing. So I go back to my question. Um, where do you need God the least? Well, I feel pretty confident in, in what God's given me, in, in my talents and abilities, right? And sometimes... I walk through life and I think, God, I got this one. This is right up my alley, right? And, and I don't need Jesus because you, God has gifted me. with. I don't need him, right? This is Peter here. I got this one, Jesus. I'm a fisherman. Yeah. I, I, you mean you want me to go do what? I mean, I've fished for thousands and thousands and thousands of fish, and I've never had a coin in the mouth of a fish. That is odd. Now, if, if I'm Jesus, I'm thinking, um, he knows Peter well. And I think he knows Peter well enough to, to say, okay, you need to be obedient to me. Because if you go back just to the chapter before, um, here's the interaction between uh, Jesus and, and Peter. He's, and he asks Peter, who do you say that I am? Okay, that's the interaction. And then Transfiguration is the beginning of, of chapter 17. And we come down to the, the end of chapter 17, and here he is asking Peter to go fish and find the first fish and pull a coin out of that... That seems so odd. Now, if I'm Jesus, and I wanted to, I felt compelled to pay the tax, he could have performed a miracle in a different way, because we knew he did miracles, right? Um, but I think there's a couple of meanings here. Number one, he paid the tax, but he asked Peter to be obedient to something that Peter was very competent in, okay? Um, I just wonder, in your life and in my life, where there are different areas that we think that we don't really need God. We don't really need Jesus. So I go back to my question, where do you need God the least? Often we think about, where do I need God the most? And and I could give you a list of, oh, I I need God here and here and here and here. But we often feel very confident in our abilities. And I wonder if we're obedient enough to Jesus. And I think that's part of why Jesus did what he did, to tell Peter to go down to the lake, throw a line in the water, and catch a fish that had a coin in it, to see if if Peter would be obedient in an area that he was fully competent and confident. Are you tracking with me? Good. Um, 
I, I don't, I just, that hit me this week. I've been kind of just reading through that passage of Scripture, and I had never considered Peter's perspective before. And so, I just wonder. And I'll leave you with a question. Examine your life. Where do you need God the least in your life? Where do you feel very fully comfortable, and are you willing to be obedient to God? Are you willing to go fish? like Peter. Um, His House Christian Fellowship was started in 1969 on one particular campus with no desire to expand beyond that one campus um, in Michigan State University in East Lansing. Gary came to East Lansing from Indiana, worked at a a large church with uh, Cotton Jones. If anybody knows the name of Cotton Jones, he worked with him in uh, Indianapolis area church, very large church, came up to East Lansing, Michigan, to start a campus ministry. Um, Gary, by his own admission, arrived at East Lansing, had not a clue what a campus minister was, nor less what a campus minister should do. Um, And here we are 47 years later, and uh, God has just continued to bless the ministry of His House Christian Fellowship. 1972, um, the board of directors and Gary decided to take the ministry from Michigan State University and expand it to Mount Pleasant in uh, Central Michigan University. And then in 1976, um, so 40 years ago, there was a campus ministry that was planted how many miles from here is Western Michigan University? Seven? Six miles from here, okay. Um, and so, and it has continued to expand ever since then. Um, I want to, if I could share just a little bit of my story, and then I want to make sure that I have some time for questions, because I could talk the whole time and... I just want to make sure that we get a chance to answer some of your questions. So if you have questions, um, kind of think about those, and uh, we'll spend some time talking about your questions, if that's okay. Um, I grew up in a church very, very similar to this. I grew up in a small town named Owasso, Michigan. Does anybody know where Owasso, Michigan is? Um, right about there, generally. Um, really? No kidding. What's your daughter's name? Kayla Ruger. Kaylin Ruger. Um, I don't know. I don't know that name. So, um, were you from? A, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm kidding. Um, Ovid is a very, very small town. I grew up, in fact, very close to Ovid um, in Owasso. I grew up on the uh, east side of Owasso, west side of Owasso. Sorry. Um, and, Well, the Staples is now gone. So you would have been disappointed had you moved into Owasso. Yes. So, yeah, they were, and then they moved right out. So um, they didn't last long. I grew up in a, in a church very similar to this. Um, I grew up in, in the First Church of Christ in Owasso. Does anybody know the First Church of Christ in Owasso? There's something very unique about the First Church of Christ in Owasso, and that is it's round. Um, similar to this, except all the seats are around and there's a big communion table in the middle. And uh, that's how people would often know the First Church of Christ in Owasso. I grew up there. My dad was an elder from before the time I was born and was an elder his entire life until he died just recently, a couple of months ago. 
And uh, it just was a fun and incredible church to grow up in. I had a youth minister by the name of Mark St. Louis. Does anybody know the name of Mark St. Louis? A few people. Well, good. If you know Mark St. Louis, he was my youth minister. Um, I, I loved working with Mark so much that I decided to marry his daughter. And this is my wife, Rebecca St. Louis. Um, she is the oldest of six St. Louis children. And so um, it, was, uh, it was a fun time to be involved in ministry there. I went to, uh, I, I thought about Bible college for a little bit. In fact, Mark took me to Great Lakes Bible college at the time, and it wasn't right. And I, I, I can't give you a reason. I, 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 for me, at that point, and I love Great Lakes, it just wasn't the time for me to be there. And so um, I studied at home for two years. I went to the University of Michigan in Flint, and I commuted back and forth. And then I made the jump to Central Michigan University in Mount Pleasant, and I worked with someone, um, the campus minister there. I got involved in campus ministry by the name of Michael Oberski. Has anybody ever heard that name? <laughs> I thought you might, might know that name. Michael and Susie Oberski are absolutely wonderful people. Uh, my first year at CMU was Michael's last year at CMU. And so I got a chance to know them a little bit and have had an interaction with them over the years. Um, I'm going to share something with you that I don't normally share, but, and I know you'll probably find this very hard to believe. Um, Susie Oberski is one of my prayer warriors. I thought you'd kind of, yeah. Um, she, she contacts me regularly, and John, what can I pray for you about? And uh, so they're obviously down on Florida now, and uh, they just maintain a good connection with our ministry and with me personally. And I just love people that say, what can I pray for you about? And I know that she's praying because she, she contacts me back and, hey, how's this coming? And uh, what happened here? And she just wants to know. And so uh, they are absolutely wonderful people. So they had an influence in my life. When I first went to CMU, I was not overly excited about being involved in the group called His House Christian Fellowship because it was, how do I want to say this, different, okay? Um, I had grown up in the church, and, and here they were at that time meeting at a, at a, at a campus house. And uh, there were a group of students, and they sang songs that I didn't know. They sang these radical songs like Shine, Jesus, Shine, and I'd never heard that song growing up in my church because we typically sang out of the hymns at that time. And, uh, boy, that, I just, how do I fit in here? And then we did things like pray. And, you know, when we met together, and usually we had some guy that came up here and prayed, you know, at the beginning of the service, and he prayed for communion, and we pray, you know, at the end. I mean, people can just pray. Like, pray. Boy, that was so unique to me. I, I, that was um, a little foreign. And so um, I began to understand some things about God that I had never known before. Did I tell you I grew up in the church? But yet there were things about Jesus that I didn't know. And uh, boy, that was a challenge to me. The campus house at Central Michigan University is located right next to a sorority house and right on the block that is known as Fraternity Row in Mount Pleasant. It's on Main Street, if you know Mount Pleasant at all. Um, That's where the campus house is. I decided 
after my first year of living in a dorm at CMU, I decided to live in a campus house. So I lived in a campus house and had an opportunity to share my faith with a number of people in, in that little community there. Um, boy, you've got a captive audience in uh, college students. Uh, and I, that's what I really loved about working with our neighbors next door. Um, we would invite them to come over and have dinner with us. So this was a guy's house, and so a sorority house which is all girls, was always fun to do something together, right? So we would invite them to come over, and, and uh, they were sizing us up, and we were kind of sizing them up too, and um, it was fun. And we just shared meals together. Uh, we built relationships. We prayed with them. And, uh, boy, that was so helpful in my spiritual development. I went to school to uh, be a public school teacher, and somewhere along the line in, in my education at CMU, I decided I didn't think this was exactly where God wanted me. And I struggled with it. I struggled with that because here I was four years in, five years in, and I thought, this isn't what I want to do. What do I do now? I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to start school all over again and start taking classes because they were starting to accumulate and it was expensive. And so it was expensive 20 plus years ago and it's even more expensive now. Um, what could I do? Um, that was a time that I'm so thankful for the, the relationships that I built with the students in, in our fellowship because I learned how to pray for myself. And I really sought after God and I said, God, um, I'll go and do whatever you want me to do. And, and I need you to help me and lead and guide and direct me. And he did. Campus minister um, that came in after Michael Oberski might be somebody else that you know, and his name was Matt Schantz. Does anybody know Matt Schantz? Yes, grew up in this area. Um, Kalamazoo, I, I think it was part of the Comstock Church, which is not too far from here. His parents are still there, Tom and Ruth and Schantz. Uh, just wonderful people, wonderful people. And so Matt came in, and uh, he was the campus minister there at Central Michigan University. And Matt and I had a conversation and said, uh, Matt, uh, he said, John, there's a, there's a church in a small little town way up north that's looking for a youth minister for, a, for the summer. I said, well, I grew up in church. I don't know anything about youth ministry, but I had a great youth minister. I, I can do this for a summer. And so I went up to the Kalkaska Church of Christ. Does anybody know where the Kalkaska Church of Christ is? If you know anything about North men, North women, that is Kalkaska. Kalkaska is up here, Traverse City. Very close, a half hour away from Traverse City or so. So I went there, and I ended up staying for two years. Um, and it was so much fun. I really enjoyed youth ministry. Well, the, the opportunity came for me to come back to my hometown of Owasso and come back to, and work with my home church in Owasso as a youth minister. And so I did that for eight years and uh, spent a little bit of time there. And I loved the opportunity that I had to work with, happened to be my father-in-law at the time. He wasn't when I started, but um, I, uh, I married his daughter and we had a fun time. So my, it was always interesting to work with him because my father-in-law was technically my boss, but my dad was his boss. because he was. So we kind of joked back and forth over the years, and it worked out very, very well. I have a wonderful father-in-law and mother-in-law, and uh, they were just so much fun to be around. And so um, about 12, 13 years ago or so, I felt a leading from God away from youth ministry to, to, to get back involved with students, college students. And so 
Um, there was a position that was became available with his house in the role of development director. And so I said, I have no clue what a development director is or does, but I want in. And Gary said, good, I want you here, and, and we'll work through this together. And so I worked with Gary for about 12 years in that role, and then over the last two years, we've kind of transitioned. And so now, technically, I'm Gary's boss, um, which is a little awkward, and, uh, but we worked through that really well. And Gary is still involved in the ministry. In fact, um, I spent a couple hours with him yesterday. He is getting ready to go to Europe for a month. He retired uh, two years ago uh, from his role as executive director, but he did not retire from the ministry. We want to make sure we get that straight. So if you run across Gary and say, oh, how's retirement? He probably won't be overly excited about that because he is still working with our ministry in the role of um, a director emeritus. And so um, as a gift to Gary, the board and the ministry got him a gift for he and his wife to go to Europe and to do some traveling. And so he is leaving today um, to go on that trip. And so he's really excited about that, and and it's just been absolutely wonderful. Um, Well, let me back up, if I could. And some of you may be saying, what is His House Christian Fellowship? I don't want to assume that everybody here knows what His House Christian Fellowship is or what it does. And so if I could explain this the best that I can, that might help us. Is that okay? Um, His House Christian Fellowship is not a cult. (laughs) And you laugh, but there are a number of students that are on campus that, is that like a cult or something? And, I mean, they're serious when they ask that question. It is not a cult. Um, If you want to know what it is, the best way that I can tell you to, to figure out what his House Christian Fellowship is two things. Number one, ask a student that's involved in our ministry, and you have one here in your church, and her name is Chelsea Smith. Um, Chelsea and I met earlier this year when I had visited Western Michigan University's campus, and I just introduced myself to a number of people, and one of them was Chelsea. And I asked Chelsea, wow, where are you from? And oh, I'm from Kalamazoo. And she, somehow we started to talk that you were at Great Lakes Christian College, and so then I asked if she knew a couple of people, and she did, and she said that she was from here. I said, oh, that is so neat. I've never been to that church yet, but someday when I'm there, it'll be fun. And today is that day. Here we are. Um, and uh, so you could ask a college student, or number two, look in the second chapter of the book of Acts. That's what His House Christian Fellowship is. That's um, a group of students predominantly, that college students that, that meet on campus to get to know Jesus Christ a little bit better, to get to know them more. Um, this school year, from whenever school started, and it kind of started in various different times, the end of August, beginning of September, um, you have 92 brothers and sisters now in Christ because of um, what Jesus did in their life through His House Christian Fellowship. Uh, There are 92 students that have been baptized this year, this year alone. Um, Over 47 years, um, over 4,000 students have come to know Jesus Christ through the ministry of His House Christian Fellowship. That I get really pumped about because that's carrying out the Great Commission, right? Um, We're to be disciples in going and sharing our faith with those around us on college campus. Um, That is such a fun and a unique 
job. You can say, boy, that's a tough job. You're right, it is a tough job. Absolutely it's a tough job. But it's an incredibly exhilarating, fun job to be able to share Jesus Christ with students. That is our first uh, mission in campus ministries, to share Jesus Christ with the students that do not know him and to have a relationship with them. Um, secondly, is just to, to, to develop a discipling relationship, to, a teaching relationship, so that we get to know who Christ is more. Some students, believe it or not, come to campus and they are Christians. Some students come to campus and, believe it or not, are still Christians, even after going to college. And so we want them to be growing in their faith, developing a a nurturing relationship with Jesus Christ, not dependent on the campus minister, not dependent on the student leaders, but dependent on their relationship personally with Jesus Christ. Uh, A number of students come with their faith right up here. And and that's a good place to start. Um, And so we want their faith to travel 12 inches. That's it, 12 inches. From here to here, okay? Because there's, there's a big 12 inches there. Um, and so to have students be challenged in their faith. Um, and the third area is just to be able to send students out, okay? To send students out. So uh, they come, they're a part of our fellowship, and, and eventually they're going to graduate. Um, Chelsea, when are you going to graduate? Hopefully a year and a half. Did you see there? There was a little question. So sometimes they stick around a little bit longer, and, and that's okay. And uh, eventually, they're going to go out in the community. And they're going to be teachers. They're going to be doctors. They're going to be lawyers. They're going to potentially be our next president. Not the very next president, but a future president. Okay? Because our president, a future president, is studying somewhere on a college campus today. And so if we can reach the college campus for Jesus Christ, then we have an opportunity to invest and influence the world's leaders. Are you tracking with me? Um, That's what I love about campus ministry. And so um, we have a chance to send students out. And so that's kind of a little bit about uh, what His House Christian Fellowship is. Chelsea, is there anything that you would like to add to that that I may not have? Okay. Um, I summed it up pretty well. We have 12 different ministries all across the state of Michigan, as, as Barb mentioned. And uh, two that you might be very familiar with are obviously Western Michigan University. Ben Andrews is the campus minister there. And uh, Ben it grew up um, very close to Ovid, grew up in St. John's. And uh, there you go. Oh, good. Way to go. Good. Um, and tell me who you are. Yes, you and I need to have a conversation later. Did, did Ben forewarn you about this? Oh, good. Okay. Well, he said, uh, I was, I'm having some email issues. And he said, you know, I got a guy. And it was you. And he's, he's like, well, he's a part of this Oakland Drive Church. He said, well, and I, I'm kid you not. I had this conversation with him last week. And he said, well, I'm going to be there on Sunday. I need to meet this Eric guy because he might be able to help me. So um, we can talk later. That'd be fun, Eric. I appreciate it. So uh, Ben grew up in, in St. John's area and uh, is a campus minister. He's been in campus ministry for almost 20 years, 17, 18 years, I think, is where Ben is at. 
Um, that's unheard of in ministry, and that's very unheard of in campus ministry. And uh, we love having Ben. He is wonderful. He and his family are doing a phenomenal job, and uh, they're just fun people to work with and to work alongside. So he's really, really good. Um, the other person that you might know is Pat Hill, because um, I think he... Yeah, good. You can whoop it up a little bit for Pat. He's good. Um, Pat was a part of this church when he was here working with Ben for a number of years. And then a a few years ago, we asked Ben to move to NMC. Did I? Pat. Sorry, I said Ben. I meant Pat. Um, we, We asked Pat to move to Northwestern Michigan College up in Traverse City. And so he's been up there. I just want to let you know how he's doing because he probably won't tell you this. Um, when he went there, there were a handful of students. And NMC, Northwestern Michigan College, is a very small college. It's a, to, predominantly, it's a commuter college in Traverse City. And uh, he is uh, just doing a phenomenal job. I was there earlier this year, and there were like 40-plus students involved. And there are, it's a campus of maybe 2,000, very, very small campus. And so uh, he is just doing a phenomenal job, he and his wife, Emily, and his daughter, Ella. Um, they are so good. And so thank you for supporting him directly uh, through the church or you personally. Um, I, I, I want you to hear me say that. He couldn't be there if it weren't for you. And so thank you for just investing in him. He's, he's uh, wonderful, and I appreciate that. Um, I can give you an update on anybody else, but uh, um, I, unless you want, if you want to know that. Um, questions. I want to make sure that have some time for some of your questions that you'd like to know about ministry, about his house. Um, questions. Yes. Is there a campus ministry at Northern Michigan in Marquette? I can't, it's hard to do this because it kind of needs to really be this way. Um, yes, there is a campus ministry in, in Marquette, which is from here, I'm going to guess it's nine hours um, or so. And there is one even further away than that in Michigan Tech in Houghton. Not Houghton Lake, Houghton. Um, and Houghton is a long way from here. Um, that's two hours past Marquette. And so, um, yes, absolutely. Um, if you know of students that are going to a public university, um, if you could help us get connected with them, if you would contact us and say, hey, my son, my daughter, my granddaughter, uh, grandson, a neighbor, a relative, some kid I know I work with is going to whatever university, um, send us an email if you could so that we have an opportunity to contact them. Believe it or not, it's, it's a little hard to track down some people. Um, Western Michigan University, there's 30,000 students-ish. 30,000, that's a lot of students. And so um, if you just hope that our paths are going to cross, God is into the miracle business. I totally understand that. And and I would hope that those paths would cross, but sometimes they don't. Okay, so if you could help us, that would be be, uh, wonderful. Give us any information you can. It's much harder to be able to actually go to dorms like we used to be able to do 15 years ago. used to be able to go and knock on any dorm room because they were all open. Um, Now, almost, I think every campus, uh, their dorm halls are locked. Is it that way at Western? Um, At night, maybe you got to check in. Okay. 
it's, it's a little bit harder for our staff to just walk in and knock on doors, um, security-wise. So um, if you could give us, give us any information, that would be helpful. Other questions? Yes. Yeah, we do retreats. We do two retreats a year generally, fall retreat and a winter retreat. Fall, obviously, in the fall, and winter, obviously, in the winter. And so um, we have all of our ministries come together. Depending on where we're at, um, we're going to do our fall retreat at Spring Hill Camp in Everett, Michigan, which is a large camp. And there are 500 or so students that will come to our, our fall retreat. Winter retreat, the same. We, the last, this is, last year we were at uh, Cedarville and the UP, and uh, we had two retreat weekends because we couldn't all fit on one, one retreat weekend. Next year we're going to be at Lake Ann in Traverse City, and we're all going to go back to one retreat weekend because it's, it's a very large camp at Lake Ann. And so, yes, uh, winter retreats and Boy, those are some of the most powerful times for students to be involved, and uh, they just get challenged by some of the greatest teachers in this country. And uh, some of them are on our staff, and it is so awesome to, to see students respond and uh, vent right there and, and give their lives to Christ, be baptized um, outside in the UP where we sometimes have to chip ice off the water um, to baptize students. You want to talk about remembering your baptism? Um, those students are going to remember that. And so that's always fun. So, yes. <laughs> Baptistry wasn't, the heater wasn't working? Ah, yes. Yeah. Good. Yes. Yeah, um, it's changed a little bit over time, I think. Um, and yeah, it's as you and I think Gary would tell you if, if he were from 1969, and I can't speak, I wasn't quite born then, I was shortly thereafter, but um, in 1969, um, there was an environment too that, that uh, faith was difficult and it's only become more so. And uh, that's our culture, is it not? Um, if you want to know what's going to happen in our culture five years from now, look at a college campus. Um, th- this whole LGBT issue, this is not anything new to a college campus. This was at least 15 years ago that, that our ministry was really starting to struggle with how do we reach out to people in, in that community? How do we minister to them? What are the issues that we need to wrestle with and struggle with um, not that that doesn't happen continually today, but we saw that a number of years ago. And so um, if we read the book of Revelation, we should be no surprise of what's coming, right? Um, And I'm I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. um, And here's our hope. Our hope isn't in our educational system, is it? Our hope isn't who's going to be the next president. Um, This is not going to be a surprise to God who the next president is going to be. You know, if it's Donald Trump, he's like, boy, I didn't see that one coming. What do I do now? God's got this. He's in control, right? I mean, sometimes I, I find myself getting a little wrapped up into that and, oh, if, if, if it's this person or it's that person, what are we going to... God's got this. He, he understands. And so, um, yes, there, there's a culture, and it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult 
um, to live out your faith. And that's what I appreciate about the students that are involved in our ministry. Um, people often ask, you know, is it, is it difficult for students to be involved in our ministry? Um, yes and no. The students that are involved in our ministry are there because they want to be there. And the students that are involved in our ministry are absolutely excited about Jesus Christ and wanting to grow their faith with Jesus Christ. They're not there because mom or dad made them be there because, well, I guess I should go. I don't really want to be there because if they don't, if that's the way they feel, they will not be involved. And so uh, there's kind of this, and I, I like this to be honest with you. Uh, again, this is what Revelation talks about. Either be hot or be cold. Um, that's what a college campus is. You're either adamantly opposed to Jesus Christ or you're all in on Jesus Christ. There's not a lot of, yeah, I'm kind of a Christian. I mean, there is some of that, but I see the dichotomy of that. Uh, Very, very stark contrast. So, yes, good question. Um, One more question. International students. That's my good question. Um, at Western Michigan University, we have a, a women uh, international coordinator. Her name is Emily Popolars. I don't know if anybody knows Emily or not, and uh, she's been involved in our ministry for a number of years. She has a heart for international students. The colleges now are recruiting international students to come to uh, the universities here in, in Michigan, and that's a good thing um, for us. And so. Uh, the university himself will go to Saudi Arabia and recruit Saudi Arabian students or Iranian students, and they will come to the United States and study at Western Michigan University. There are a number of, of Middle Eastern students from, uh, from the Middle East that are studying here in this community um, that you may not be aware of, and her heart is to be able to reach them because if we can reach them, guess what? They're going back to their home. They're going back to their, their own country. And we've just trained, what? A missionary, haven't we? Man, isn't that, isn't that incredible? Because sometimes some of the countries, you and I can't walk into those countries, but they can. Um, and so it is an incredible opportunity. So Emily and I are, have been in conversation over the last two years or so. How do we do that across the state of Michigan? And, and there are some campuses that are a little bit more open with their international students. We have probably a number of international students at Lake Superior State University in Sault Ste. Marie, but they're Canadians, and we don't really consider them international students. <laughs> so, um, but there are a number of, of, of Students coming from the Middle East, from uh, Southeast Asia, uh, from the Philippines, just a a number of countries. And so they're coming here to study. What if we could influence them? What if we could share Jesus Christ with them and have them go back? Isn't that an incredible opportunity for them to share their faith with their friends, with their family when they get back? Um, So, yeah, um, we're continuing to expand on that. So, um, it is, it is quarter to ten, and I need to wrap up, I think. And so can I pray for us? And if you have some uh, questions, further questions, you want to chat with me, um, I am going to be here today, and I would love to do that. But don't forget, you have somebody that's involved in our ministry, and she's sitting right here. And I think she's here most every week. Yes, okay, good. Um, boy, hey, I got a question about... Ask Chelsea. Um, she would, uh, I'm sure, have a good answer. And if she didn't have a good answer, um, she'd know where to find a good answer. And so uh, just make sure you ask her. So um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for an opportunity to be here in your house to worship. 
Father, as we consider what you've gifted us with, how you've given us some incredible talents, could you remind us that we ultimately still depend on you? Um, You are the author, you are the perfecter of our faith. And Father, we rely on you to help us grow in our relationship with you and your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we are so thankful for this church and this congregation to have a vision to reach college students with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for their commitment over the years to be able to partner with his house, to be able to reach students that they'll never, ever see in their lifetime, but yet someday when we are in your presence together, uh, we're going to know that we influence some people by our our prayer support, by our financial support, by encouraging others in campus ministry. And I thank you for that. Uh, Father, I pray a special blessing on this congregation today. And I give you the glory for that. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.